Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate your presence. I hope you're having a great day, great weekend. I hope you were safe and you healed and, and that is more important to all of us. Uh, happy Independence Day once again. I hope we have another great 75 years ahead of us and, and we heal, we become better day by day and we could move forward and improve um, going forward. Bharat will be a great nation again, great land and a civilization will rise up to higher um, to unbelievable unforeseen heights and, and, and great places. And we really, and we all have to work towards it. Contribute through knowledge, through connecting the dots. Um, that is very important. One of the things the Honorable Prime Minister Sri Narendra Modi said to um, in his speech today that we have to stop being uh, ashamed of ourselves. We have spent the last 20, 75 years, 70 years being ashamed of our Vedic civilization. And we've been instructed to be ashamed of it. We don't have to be. Our Vedic civilization was the greatest thing on this planet for a very long time. That's why all the traders came to the land. That's why all these empires came. They didn't come to, to empower, to change anything, to get anything out of it, uh, to... to to improve the civilization, to make it better. They came for only one thing and one thing only, to take from her civilization gold, uh, knowledge, education. And this has been going on for two, 3,000 years, more than that. Uh, the British were just the last line of groups of people who came, and there were refugees that came from all over the land. Uh, we are all descendants of refugees. All of us, somewhere up the line, our ancestors came here as refugees to the land. My ancestors did, everyone else's ancestors did, because we were such a great civilization, free to say what we want, free to be who we choose to be. <coughs> Sorry. Free to have the discussion, free to criticize, free to challenge. But it's the Abrahamic religions who came with their sword and, and challenged the status quo and changed the mentality, uh, enforcing us to submit and to subjugate to their ignorance. Uh, but we were free civilization and we have to go back to that freedom uh, and, and, and be proud of ourselves, be proud of our civilization for what it is. There are negative points, it's, there's always negative and positive. We have to take out the negative, understand the, the junction, learn, make every single junction into an intellectual laboratory and balance, and balance our electromagnetic field, align, yagna realign automatically the moment we have conversations the moment we look at different sides we will automatically realign um, uh, um, our positions and and be free from this pain and trauma and it is important so one of the messages of the honorable prime minister was to say uh, to be proud of your civilization don't hide it don't uh, hide from the problems don't hide from the positives challenge it improve it uh, learn from it seek the knowledge seek the currents that form the ways the atwa all that lies in between hindutva the the water that forms that surrounds the land that is um, Hindustan, the 
water and the bodies of water and her currents that form our waves atwa all that lies in between hindutva uh, and that is what he was talking about but he didn't say the word hindutva but he used talked about being proud of our civilization not to be quiet and and not to to put it under the rug and 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 subjugate to the abrahamic colonization of our minds um and and that is very very important to have that conversation to be proud of ourselves to be proud of our heretic civilizations and not throw it under the rug uh, so every day uh, you know um, commit yourself to picking up any one great ancient monument reading about it um, and, and learning about it and see whatever you can find on it uh, make make a commitment uh, you could do it one per week you can make a commitment to go and visit that monument or, or contribute to volunteering at that monument cleaning it up cleaning the surroundings and offering your services to help educate the people around the poor people around make sure that anyone who lives in the vicinity um, can have access to education have access to knowledge uh, access to intellectual services uh, because that is the goal of the temples of our lands the ancient temples to educate all the money from the surrounding contributions went into educating the people and making sure the the people around the temple the villages were all people who were educated had knowledge and they took away this right from us we got to give it back and make sure that person after person child after child has some type of education has some sort of um, uh, power and and uh, support and uh, emotional support educational support mental support guidance mentoring and we can all do that together so every every one of us takes one one monument and go and, and does it but we could all every week learn about a monument here and there uh, pick it up learn about it there are so many monuments um, you can go on to Facebook and and the link is uh, India is not the time Mahal only there are many uh, monuments and you'll see the fantastic monuments that belong to India um, one of the things uh, that the honorable prime minister talked about was uh, something that's very close to me I'm gonna say it I don't know if I've said it before but I will say it today my parents came through partition okay that horrors of the horrors of partition never healed and it broke my family into a million bits never healed and that trauma led to the violence in my childhood because war never stops war stops physically but on the ground but mentally and emotionally the trauma continues because we're currents and waves okay and that is for every single person on the planet so the war continues in our minds continues in our homes and the war doesn't subside immediately and the war continued in my home because in those days we were not allowed to talk about it everything was repressed and silenced and put on the rung and pretended everything was all right and and the social government was doing everything correctly but um, there was no uh, there was no responsibility taken there was no introspection there was no ability to have a voice everything was repressed and that trauma came out in all the wrong directions uh, and my parents went to that trauma one uh, one came after it went to a different type of, of partition uh, one of the later wars um, but one came through it and and um, it was difficult it was difficult so the horrors of partition have always been 
back of my mind. I've always tried to do as much as research as possible to find out what went on during the time, what the people felt, or what the people thought, what were the stories, how can we heal, what went wrong, different different directions we can look at it and um, heal because that is the most important thing for me and I hope that for you. And if you ask anyone who went to the partition, they will tell you the same story. So it's it's very important for me to finally have the ability to talk about it. And I'm so grateful to the Honorable Prime Minister who talked about um, honoring, uh, who, who talked about uh, making the 14th of, of August as Partition Horrors Remembrance Day. I don't like the word horrors because it, 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 it gives it a negative connotation, but uh, Partition Remembrance Day, that is very important. Um, if you all have an ability to write to the honorable prime minister speak about this to your pri to your um to your friends to your neighbors to your social media groups speak to five people ask them to speak to another five people ask them to speak to another five people uh to thank him for to commemorate the partition remembrance day if you meet anyone with stories please send your stories to the prime minister and ask him if he could remove the word horrors from it but just a remembrance day because I don't think the uh, ancestors would like that, but partition remembrance day would be a great thing. So um, that was a great, uh, a great, a, a great uh, motion by the prime minister in memory of the victims of partition. Uh, those who were subjugated to inhuman circumstances suffered torturous treatment. They could not even receive a dignified cremation. They must all remain alive and never get erased from our memories. Um, and uh, this uh, partition horrors remembrance day on the 75th Independence Day is a befitting tribute to every Indian to them from every tribute from from every Indian to them. Yes, absolutely. We do not want them to erase them from our memories because I lost, I lost, I can't even tell you, I don't even, we were not even allowed to talk about it. So deep was the pain, so deep was the trauma. My parents didn't even talk about it. They were so, they were so traumatized. Any, any question about that time was just, just shoved down our throats and said, shut up, keep quiet. You're not allowed to, you know, who gave you the right to talk about it? Don't talk to me. You have no right to ask questions about it. It was that traumatizing for them because they, all of them took the blame themselves. They were young. Uh, our parents were young during that time, 5, 10, 15. My, my, my parents were in their teenage years, and, and they, were, they were young. So a lot of them took the blame of the partition on them, and that blame made them guilty. They felt guilty for surviving, and others did not survive. It, you know, it's called the guilt of survivor's guilt. And a lot of that generation did that. Uh, it is important to remember that. It is important to remember the trauma. And the trauma, they rented out in all the wrong directions. That's why you'll see a lot of these people from uh, the, this baby boomer generation, as they call a little bit before, a little bit after. There's a lot of violence in their lives. There's a lot of uh, rape, incest, smoking, drugs. Uh, you know, the hippie generation came from here because all of them all over the world went to some type of trauma in this, in this generation. And that trauma came out in all the wrong ways and they, they did not, um, they, they fell for it. Um, and unfortunately, they absorbed the shock. Um, and so 
we were never allowed to talk about it. But if you have anyone who has stories for partition, any parents, any grandparents uh, from either side, from the Bangladeshi side, from the Bengal side, from the Sindh and Punjab side and Kashmir side, if you have any of these stories, write to the prime minister and have, um, and definitely if you could, uh, um, Definitely, if you you know, give them. I'm sure that the prime minister will be glad to uh, take on the stories um, and and uh, code it with you know the Ministry of Education or the Ministry of Culture and somewhere up the line that they will do something about the stories and and get it you know get it all tabulated because that's that's very very important. Uh, there is an author, Pakistani author, called Ishtiak Ahmed. He wrote the book Jinnah, but he also has um, another book. It's about Punjab and partition, and I bought it. Uh, it's about the horrors and livid stories, stories of people who who uh, who uh, went through the partition. Uh, I'm telling you, it was my mind was bloodstained. I was traumatized, but. I needed to hear that. I needed to see it and, and listen to it from my own eyes because I I wanted to go through it with as if I was going through it myself to find out what my parents went through. Until I went through it with my own um, uh, ears and eyes and my soul, I could not understand my parents. And, and, and I could not heal. And I had to understand that to understand the trauma that came through and finally to heal. Uh, I've obviously done a lot of research, not just this book. Uh, and you go to many of the horrors around the world. You go to the Holocaust. You go to the Holocaust in different parts of the world. You see the same cycle repeating again and again. And that's important to understand. And it's the same because your currents and waves. The currents are the same. The waves are the same. If we do not learn from the past, we do not change. Um, and, and that is very, very important to know. Uh, so... If you know anyone with stories, please talk to them about Partition Remembrance Day. Uh, ask them to write to the Prime Minister, the Ministry of Culture. Send your stories to them because it's important. Um, have this conversation with your friends, your 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 your, your um, neighbors, your social media groups. Ask them to talk to five people and so on and so on, and that will be great. Um, and and we can go from there. Now, I want to just read you something about partition, why it happened, because it was never supposed to happen, okay, this way. People say the country was divided by the British on Hindu-Muslim. That was wrong, completely, absolutely wrong. Uh, it was not divided by the British and was definitely not divided on the Hindu-Muslim. It was divided on socialism and capitalism. But because Jinnah could not get his message through, he then used Hindu-Muslim to divide. Okay, uh, but it is important to understand that. Now, I was going to a Facebook page of someone called Rishi Bagri, B-A-G-R-E-E, -E, um, and he posted uh, an, an, an article on the news uh, on his Facebook page um, about uh, an article, and I think it's the Times of India, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, but he, the article says why we should not hate Jinnah for partition of India. Now, you don't hate anyone, okay? Uh, you do not hate anyone because you're you're only going to be the one who loses out. Hate never helps. Hate it hate creates more aggression and it 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 uh, it takes you down. It 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 um, 
it hurts you more than it hurts anyone else. So that's important to to understand that. So, but we all think the jinnah is the full responsible, but there's always two people that's responsible of multiple sides because everyone makes us mistakes. But I'm going to read you this article, very important for you to understand. Uh, it was written by someone called Akbar Patel. So on the 17th of March, 1947, the Bombay High Court Registrar wrote this letter to Jinnah in Karachi. Sir, I have the honor to inform you that Bombay, the Bombay Bar Association has decided to hold a, a reception in your honor uh, on your attain, attaining the distinction of having completed uh, 50 years as a distinguished member of the bar. Uh, I have therefore to request you to, to give any date suitable to you um, before 18th of April 1947 or after the 15th of June 1947 when the reception proposed to be held in your honor may be fixed. Hoping to be favored with an early reply, I beg to remain, sir, yours faithfully, C.M. Trevedi. Jinnah replied on March the 25th. Uh, he wrote, Dear sir, I'm in receipt of your letter on the 17th of March and thank you for it. it I appreciate the decision of, of the Bar Association to hold the reception in my honor and such day may be fixed up. According to my information, this resolution was carried by 37 votes to 35 in face of such strong opposition. While I'm grateful to the majority, I am reluctant to force myself upon a larger body of unwilling members of your association. It would have been better that the sponsors of this move have uh, sounded the feelings beforehand and also consulted me whether the resolution of this kind should be forced by a majority in the circumstances. I feel that I should not accept the proposed resolution. Thanking you who are thanking those who are in favor of giving the reception in my honor, yours faithfully, M.A. Jinnah. Other than the civility of the exchange, one wonders how Jinnah would have performed on news uh, television. The thing to note here is the date. This is March 1947. After the terrible events of Naukali and the violence of Direct Action Day, after all the years that Jinnah pushed the two-nation theory after it was clear that India would be partitioned, after all, and during all this, the majority of Bombay Bar Association lawyers choose to honor Jinnah. We cannot imagine this date 70 years later, uh, when an old portrait of Jinnah is offensive enough to be national news. We have regressed as a people who can deny this. Uh, think uh, the thing about Jinnah is that we can no longer see him through neutrally because of the brainwashing that our education has done. Like China, which apparently stabbed uh, us in the back. Um, how we decided that Jinnah and partition are evil. Partition uh, happened not because India's Muslims wanted Mother India. Um, cut up because the Hindus uh, led by the Congress. What quaint, uh, what what a quaint thing to imagine this, sorry, I'm trying to read this here, it's a very small article, in 2018. Um, could not come to an arrangement for power sharing by Muslims with Jinnah. What was one of the... Um, 
irreducible demands of the Muslims that led to partition. Separate electorates. Why? To ensure representation. What this was this a demand that was justified? Let's examine it in our time. It was reported that that time ago that one of the one point three eight sorry times in three eighty six members of legislative assembly from our ruling party nationwide for Muslims in spite of the state um, as it's rumbled to an, uh, a triumph the ruling party has perpetuated this. This is a political apartheid, deliberate and cruel, and it would be really hurtful. Political apartheid, goodness gracious, that's disgusting. It, it doesn't exist. It's a concocted word just made for political um, pangering. If not Jinnah, then somehow someone else will raise the question in our time, I assure you. Today, someone who speaks unemotionally uh, and with pure reason and balance Asaruddin Oasi, according to the author, is seen as some sort of communal whack job. We have a, lost our sense of balance when it comes to Muslim rights. Um, Gandhi was able to blackmail Ambedkar into giving us separate, giving up separate electorates for scheduled caste, Dalits, um, and all agree today that this was a fatal error that was ensured their perpetual political marginalization. In our prejudice and closed mind and society, Jinnah accepted the nature of tribal voting in, in the subcontinent and stuck to his gut. Um, if Hindus wanted united India, they would have to accommodate Muslims politically. We choose not to, to then, and we have not now, as, as num numbers starkly reveal. Some years back, I, I came across a Gujarati interview. Of, well, he talks about another Gujarati interview. Um, anyway, this was the article. Okay, I'm just going to say that he's talking about separate electorates. I have spoken about this in a previous episode on the podcast, that partition was not about uh, about dividing India and Hindu-Muslim. It started in a small little concept, and it blew out of proportion to what it came to Hindu-Muslim. And one of the stages of that the request for partition prior to 1946 or 47 was separate electorates for Muslims. Again, uh, let's just start with something, okay? We walk on the same street. We eat of the same food. The farmers make the same food for all of us. We go to the same schools. We ride on the same buses. We walk the same roads. We, we climb up the same stairs in a building. We live in the same buildings. Why do we need separate electorates only when it comes to power? Because it's not the separate electorates that we want. It's the people who want power who use separate electorates to uh, use our label and our divisions to get to power. No one wants, I don't care who's representing me. As long as I have security, as long as I have food, as long as I have education, as long as I have infrastructure um, and... and, and uh, and a future for my children, uh, yes, absolutely, I, I don't care who's giving it to me. 
So why do people always think that we need separate electors? Why do people think that they need to represent us? We don't ask people to represent us. We don't ask the pedophile priest to represent us. We didn't ask them to colonize us in the first place. We didn't ask them to use the sword to our ancestors to butcher us. We did not ask them to brainwash us and the moment we get off the womb, the moment we are born, we don't ask them to baptize us, to name us, to keep us brainwashed on their slave ideological plantation, to force us to indoctrinate us with their, with their liturgy. We don't ask them to do anything for us, yet they think that we need separate electors because they want power. They need us to stay on these plantations to give them power. And so they decide that we, all of a sudden, we need to be represented. Believe me, no person asks for representation. The, every single human being wants the same thing. Security, food, um, education, infrastructure, and a future. And our labels, our faith don't really matter. It's just been indoctrinated us. We are not ghettos. We do not want to live in ghettos, but they indoctrinate us to get to ghettos. So, it is important to understand that in 1946 or in, in the 1930s, in the 1920s, no Muslim was asking for separate electorates, no Muslim was. It was all these establishment people of these groups, these uh, ghettos, uh, these uh, different tribal groups, different ethnic groups on the land, the thousands and the thousands. They went to the British in the 1800s, at the end of the 19th century. They wanted separate electorates. Um, in, in the British government, for, uh, for their tribes, for their ethnic groups, for, for work in the civil government, the civil service. So the civil service uh, provided... Uh, in, the British needed civil service, so they had civil service institutions to get people to run the administration because the British were a small group of people. So they needed locals, and, and, and obviously you could not give such a huge amount of people, you know, just a few jobs in the in civil service. So what they had, uh, so they asked for separate electorates or separate groups, separate, uh, separate representation, and that's the, from where the concept of separate electorates came from. Not because the British wanted to decide, divide us, because we asked the British for separate electorates to have uh, representation from each of these tribal groups and these uh, ethnic communities, as we call them now. From that, um, that concept, uh, it went to the breakup of of um, breakup of of Bengal because b within Bengal too there were many groups ethnic groups and each one wanted separate electorates uh, that led to uh, the split of Bengal for administrative reasons only very important to understand but it was split on the basis of of ethnicity on religion because that's what the locals wanted at that time. The British didn't do it because the British thought that, oh, we're going to split you up. It was the locals who asked for separate electorates in Bengal. They split and then the British took the blame for everything. Um, but we had to take our responsibility that we asked for separate electorates. And, and when they, were, they decided the Indian National Congress fought for, uh, was, was trying to fight for elections early on, when uh, when when Mah when 
Mahatma Gandhi came on the scene, he did not, uh, he clashed with Jinnah. Jinnah was already an established pos uh, politician back then. And he all of a sudden had his feathers ruffled by this uh, half-clad dhoti-wearing uh, person who was, who was into grassroots movement, who was completely the opposite of Jinnah. Jinnah was well-dressed, and Jinnah wanted to work for independence through constitutional means, through constitutional methods, not the grassroots movements. He was horrified with Gandhi because he knew that grassroots movements could get out of hands, could get into protests, could get into violence, and, and, and Jinnah was this... This 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 person was so well dressed and so well uh, kept. And he was educated. He could not stand probably one hair out of its place. He was a wine drinking, alcohol drinking, high society um, person who made his money on capitalism. And here was Gandhi. He couldn't stand Gandhi, so he left the Indian National Congress. Um, and because he left the Indian National Congress, he was always angry. This clash of, of ideas, the clash of, they say, vichardara today. The Congress talks about vichardara, which is alag-alag uh, vichardara, BJP ka or, or, or Congress ka vichardara, um, ka ye vote hai, ka ye democracy hai. Uh, it's same vichardara was a clash uh, that, that uh, clashed against uh, Jin was a clash between Jinnah and um, uh, Mahatma Gandhi. They couldn't stand each other. Uh, they uh, there were fireworks, and Jinnah couldn't stand him. And Jinnah just left. And that that leaving the Indian the Congress uh, was the source of partition, my dear friends. The animosity between these two people was the reason why partition happened. It, it started with small, its small roots. Um, we could not, the Congress could not come to a decision back then. And they're still fighting now. They have never introspected. They refuse to introspect. They, ref they blame everyone else for their, their, their problems. Uh, they will never, if they introspected back then, understood the currents that form there is, why do they clash with all the people? They would never be, we would never be in the situation back uh, right now. And because for 75 years we have been brainwashed, um, we're never going to look at things neutrally. Uh, and it's time to off, offload the brainwashing. It's time to offload the, the, the narcissism, the anger that they have fed us on for, for 70 years. The plantation of fear and anger that the Congress has indoctrinated our mind and, and forced us to remain upon. It's time to remove that. And this partition was the result of the animosity between Jinnah and Gandhi and Nehru on the other side. From that place onwards, he goes to, he loses his wife, he goes to the United Kingdom, he comes back uh, because he is invited by the All India Muslim League who looking for power and the, recreate the nostalgia of the Muslim, of the Mughal Empire. That is what came after that. The Muslim League knew that they didn't have the man, they didn't have the advocate, they didn't have the lawyer to fight their cause uh, because now it was the British time and they're working all through democracy, through constitutional methods. And, and, and the Mughals at that point were haphazard, the small groups of people, nobles, elite. They were a small party uh, of elite nobles 
who didn't really uh, connect with anyone. They were losing election after election um, because the people didn't care about electorates. They cared about food. They cared about water. They cared about uh, survival. They cared about education. They cared about uh, a future for their children. They did not care about politics. They did not care, but this this anger against the British was it was induced, incul inculpated, and it was um, driven. They inf they they uh, induced an anger into us and made us angry. Kept us on a separate plantation, played the divide and rule, um, and and blamed everything on the British. Refused to take responsibility on their own for the thousand of thousand years of occupation even by the Mughals and the Islamic rulers, obviously because there were so many locals on the ground that were Muslims, so they refused to say anything um, and blame the British for everything. It, it, that's the problem. We keep blaming others for our, our issues. Um, and that's when Jinnah uh, came back and started fighting first for separate electorates, saying that the Muslims need representation. What he really wanted was power for the nobles, the Islamic, the Muslim nobles. That's what he wanted. The nobles wanted power back. They were nostalgic about uh, uh, about their rule, about the Mughal colonial empire that occupied our land. And because of that, he was their voice. And he started uh, um, separate electorates. But he he didn't really want he didn't care about the Muslims on the ground. He what he cared about is socialism versus versus capitalism. He made his name. He made his um, he made his money um, fighting cases in the United Kingdom and in Bombay, and he made his money through free market capitalism. He did not make his mo his money through socialism, and. Mahatma Gandhi, or should I say Nehru, was all socialist. Nehru was Marxist. Um, and this clash against Marxism, where one group of people rule the land and, and, and decide everything. We know how, how socialism has taken us to the garbage bin and made us ashamed of who we are. Um, we know that what the, what the Marxist Indian National Congress has done to us. And that shame has led us um, to the doldrums, but having said that, Jinnah was all for free market economy, probably not capitalism because the word probably didn't exist then, but he was for free market economy, get the people out of their, of their tribal mentalities, of the, of those plantation of their mullahs and their tullahs who, who were, who were uh, colonizing their minds to be a modern state free from the, from the lineage, free from the, uh, nostalgia of the past, but modern state like the British, uh, he wanted that for them. He did not want socialism, which was another form of feudalism, which is right, which is exactly what we had with the Gandhis, uh, who are a feudal family, and, and um, the Honorable Prime Minister talked about that in his speech. He talked about Parivarabad, um, where family nepotism becomes... Um, the basis of government and meritocracy goes to the bottom of the ladder, which is exactly what Jinnah wanted. That he wanted meritocracy for the people, but he knew that Jinnah uh, Nehru wanted 
uh, Nero was left-wing, as we call it today. He wanted uh, socialism. There's something good about socialism. There's bad about socialism. Everything is negative and positive. There's negative and positive about capitalism, free market, economy. But you have to come to a certain consensus. And Jinha uh, then started saying he wanted separate electorates within the Indian Dominion for the Muslims, which the Muslims didn't ask for. The nobles asked for. The Muslims did not ask for it at all. Uh, because they were happy in their villages, they did not understand one word of what uh, Jinnah was saying, and there are many movies uh, of that made on this time where they where they have Jinnah giving speeches, and the locals on the ground say, uh, "What what is he saying?" And they say, "We don't understand, but whatever he's saying, we believe him because he seems serious." So the locals didn't care. The locals didn't know. The locals were primed up to be in a state of anger, and not only that, it's very important to remember that Jinnah wanted to be the sole voice. He did not even want other Muslims to talk because Muslims were against Jinnah. Muslims were against Jinnah. Muslims were against many Muslim leaders. Many Muslim local leaders were against Jinnah. Even um, the, the uh, Deoban group, um, Maldudi was, the, um, was against Jinnah. Because he said, you're going to break up the country and you're going to lose power, which is exactly what happened. Um, they were against Jinnah. Jinnah did not want one mullah to talk. He did not want one imam to talk. He did not want one local Muslim to talk. He wanted to be the sole voice. Now, if you really care about Muslims, you should give all of them a voice. Why are you not giving all of them a voice? Everyone, if they all agreed on each other, if they were really so desperate, if they're really so bad, everyone should have a voice. You should give them a voice and let's see if your stereotype really works. But it was not the stereotype that he, it was not the problem that the Muslims were not represented. He wanted power and his local uh, nobles who were leftovers from the Mughal Raj, who wanted nostalgia back, and nostalgia to recreate the Mughal Empire. He was fighting for them, and used the people as pawns to fight for a cause that was for the establishment, which is something that still goes on today. The establishment wants something, and the people are all riled up, and 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 then keyed up and chavied up and, and they're, they're, they're put on ghettos and us versus them, him versus uh, her. And it all goes on cycle after cycle after cycle. It is hilarious. It is ignorant. And Jinnah was fighting not for Muslim people. He used the people. He used Muslim representation, separate electorates. It did not work. Um, and guess what? Uh, from there, only when that did not work, because the Indian National Congress insisted on being the sole voice again. They too were the sole. They wanted the sole voice for um, for uh, for all of India. Now, why would why would you someone want to give another person power over him? Why uh, why would you want me to give my vote to 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 King Kong to be to control everything that I do, that's that's feudalism. That's modern feudalism. You can call it communism, you can call it socialism, you can call it Marxism, anything, but it's another form of feudalism. And the 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 um Jinnah refused to give in. You had 
uh, Nehru and Gandhi refused to give in. That led to a clash. And at one point, that led to... Uh, um, then came the Quit India Movement, where all the Congress leaders were put in jail. And once they were put in jail, um, Jinnah took over. He was not put in jail. And he went and used this grassroots movement, taking a leaf out of Mahatma Gandhi's uh, book, and went to the grassroots movement. It went chaotic. It erupted with direct action day. Um, it erupted with genocide. And it's finished as a partition India. Disgusting, disgraceful. Um, he is responsible for 50% of, of the uh, horrors of partition, including that of my family that I have never seen. Uh, thanks to the... Thanks to him, I, I've never I've never seen pictures of my, my my family that I've lost. Never even seen a picture. I was not allowed to see anything. And no thank you to Jinnah. And of course, no thank you to Mahatma Gandhi and um, Nehru, who was not a... Uh, look, I, I'm sorry, but I just do not have any respect for the man anymore. I'm, I'm just tired. Um, I want to say, no, your socialism killed us. There were good points. Yes, they did good points. I will take the good points. There were many wrong points, many faults and mistakes. We have to learn from it and go from there. But the goal is not to hate someone. The goal is to understand the currents that form the ways, remove those, those layers and layers of data, and go forward, uh, heal, and see what we can learn from this and what we can change. Because at the end of the day, we're all currents that form our waves. We're not labels. It's not the label that defines the mentality. It's the mentality that defines the label. It's your currents that form the waves. It's very important to understand that. And not understanding the currents that form your waves leads to corruption is with what um, the Honorable uh, Prime Minister talked about. Uh, the goal of the next 25 years is to wipe out corruption. It is something that we're going to talk about tomorrow very, very clearly. Uh, it's going to be our next podcast. Corruption has to be rooted out. We've talked, we talk about the cycle after cycle, government after government. How can we do it? What do we do? Uh, where can we go from here? Uh, how can we can contribute to, to minimizing corruption? And, and what is the history of corruption? But uh, I just wanted to talk to you about the horrors of partition and partition day. Uh, the Remembrance Day, it is important for us to remember. Please talk to your friends, your family. Uh, and if you have any stories about partition, please write them down and send them to the Honorable Prime Minister, the Ministry of, of, uh, of History, of Culture, Information, and they can all put it together. Ask the Prime Minister to remove the concept of horrors, because that's very negative. Uh, just um, Partition Remembrance Day would be a great, great, great... Uh, way of, of joining dots and, and recreating and healing and go from there and um, I hope you had a great weekend once again um, and I hope you have a great week going forward, stay safe everyone Hindustan Zindabad Bharat Mata Ki Jai uh, long live the Bharatiya civilization uh, all the way Bharat Mata Ki Jai we can do this we can rise up uh, we can heal, we can have a better life, and we can give a better heal, healing to the next generation and, and guide them. Uh, talk to them about the errors that we have made that's important because it's important. It's not to just give the next generation, you must do this, you must do, the, do that. We, we must take responsibility for our errors 
and that is very very important to give that next generation that uh, that story what we did wrong how we interpreted things and how they can learn from what we did uh, plus or minus negative and positive so that they they can they can use that knowledge not do not do it because we're current in waves you cannot change it but they can use that knowledge as a base um, on their own on their own journey and resurrect the civilization again I ask you to go on to Facebook um, and and the link is uh, India is not only the Taj Mahal or you can go on to my Facebook page religions regimes and refugees uh, there are many many posts with ancient monuments over there I hope you could take a look at any one monument uh, per week learn about it study about it and, and increase your knowledge share it with your friends your families uh, talk about it discuss it with you on your social media groups and slowly by slowly we can volunteer and we can resurrect this civilization we do not need to depend on the government we they cannot do everything by themselves we have to go halfway we have to volunteer to clean the surroundings make sure it's clean make sure it's it's um, it's empowered and make sure the people around uh, who live in the vicinities the villages have um, access to education uh, money to finance to be educated uh, and each temple if they do this we got thousands of temples in India imagine how we can be much better um, this this temple was the center of our Vedic life they were the seat of power of the villages for knowledge for education um, for empowerment uh, for healing for medicinal healing uh, they were dharamshalas around the place uh, for people to take rest and that was a center and that's why they came and and this and destroyed our temples because they knew they could destroy our civilization civilization we have to go back and we have to resurrect these temples the life around them our Vedic life and we can re construct our civilization so thank you very much to all of you once again tomorrow we'll be back with a podcast on corruption and hopefully we can understand it better thank you so much for your time cheers and and stay safe